0: Good morning, church. The reading this morning is from Ezekiel, chapter 34, verses 1 through 10, and that is on page 857 of your pew Bibles, if you'd like to turn there. Prophecy against the shepherds of Israel. The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel, The loss you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered, because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered, they wandered, over all the mountains and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered, over all the face of the earth, with none to search or seek for them. Therefore you shepherds hear the word of the Lord as I live declares the Lord God Surely because my sheep have become a prey and my sheep have become food for all the wild beasts Since there was no shepherd and because my shepherds have not searched for my sheep But the shepherds have fed themselves and have not fed my sheep Therefore you shepherds hear the word of the Lord thus says the Lord God behold I am against the shepherds I will require my sheep at their hand and put a stop to their feeding the sheep no longer shall the shepherds feed themselves I will rescue my sheep from their mouths that they may not be food for them let's pray dear Lord I thank you for this opportunity that we have to gather I thank you that your word tells us that you are the Good Shepherd I thank you that we can look to you at all times, in times of trouble, in times of joy, in the daily walk of our life, and that you promise that you will lead us and that you will guide us. So I pray that our hearts would be turned to you this morning, that our praise and worship of you would glorify you and would honor your name. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you, John. You can have a
1: seat. Apparently, the paparazzi wanted to update our website this morning with some photos, so we'll have some updated photos, I see. Well, this morning, we will be talking about livestock. As as we were singing those songs and as we were reading the scripture, I was reminded uh, there's a lot that the Bible says about sheep there's a lot that the bible says about shepherds it makes it a little bit easy for us and this morning we're going to talk about sheep we're going to talk about shepherds and these are common words for this jewish culture culturally many of these folks who were hearing jesus's words might have had sheep biblically speaking god oftentimes speaks of himself as a shepherd shepherding his people his flock of sheep An idiom is a word or group of words established by using it, but has a meaning not entirely understandable by the words themselves. I've had to learn a lot of idioms in moving here to Vermont. Flatlanders, just so you know, California has higher mountains. Mud season and stick season can be added to summer, winter, fall, and spring, as well as a few false seasons, I've come to learn. My kids were trying to shoot some woodchucks the other day in the yard, and no, it was not the ones we also call Vermonters. Some terms pack a punch, don't they? There's significance to using some words over others, like leaf peepers oftentimes is not in a positive sense for many in this room. But there's good words as well, like a creamy. We had no idea that this thing even existed, but it's awesome. Language matters, but sometimes explanations are necessary. So shepherd is a term often and commonly used in the Bible but it's not always understood. And so this morning as we are in John chapter 10, Jesus helps us to understand some of these terms with new covenant eyes. He helps us to understand who we are as sheep and how he is our good shepherd and who the false shepherds are as we've seen in the Gospel of John. So before we jump into the passage, would you pray with me? And let's let Psalm 23 guide us. and you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Should Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all of my days, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So Father, we thank you. Thank you for leading us, for providing for us, for restoring us, for protecting us, for comforting us as your sheep. Would you remind us of those truths this morning? Help us to hear your voice and follow your gentle, loving guidance. Guidance, And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So last week, we ended our time as Jesus had healed this man born blind with a charge to believers to worship. This man, he said, I believe, and then he immediately worshiped Jesus. For those who believe, we need not fear the world or cancel culture or false religious leaders, but we are to trust Jesus. This healed man, as we saw last week, he was roughly treated not only by the religious leaders, but also by his parents. He was thrown out of the synagogue. And Jesus' response to this, we see in verse 10, or in chapter 10, and let's start in verse 1, as it is very gentle. John chapter 10, verse 1. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold but by the door, sorry, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and robber. is a figure of speech Jesus used with them. But they did not understand what he was saying to them. So we have some characters in the text this morning. We have a shepherd, we have a gatekeeper, we have some sheep, and we also have a stranger. And Jesus wants us to take note. Another reminder, truly, truly, I say to you, is he wants us to pay attention. He wants us to take note of what is happening here. A sheepfold is a courtyard where sheep were held probably next to someone's home or maybe out in an area where it was surrounded by a rock wall, a stone wall. There'd be a door or a gate allowing family members or multiple families with property of sheep to gather their sheep in for the evening, be kept overnight, protected by the fence, protected by the gatekeeper, or oftentimes protected by the shepherd himself. And Jesus talks about strangers and robbers as well, where shepherds, they love their sheep, where they are like family. But in contrast, the robbers, the strangers, are not able to enter. They would enter not through the main door, they would oftentimes go over the wall, or they would go over the fence as a thief. As a stranger is not welcome, and he decides to desires to use violence against the sheep. The sheepfold is meant to be a place of security for the sheep. And in contrast to these unauthorized people who want to brutalize the sheep, they are the shepherds of Israel that John just read from Ezekiel chapter 34. "The shepherd, he knows the sheep." He's recognized by the sheep. And he leads the sheep for their own good. If you know other languages, uh, Spanish for example, the term for shepherd is translated as pastor, pastor. The image of a shepherd is extremely important. It's a biblical picture of a leader. The very word leadership is developed from shepherding imagery, where the shepherd goes before the flock and he encounters the problems of the flock before the flock gets to the problem. That's so what Jesus did right here. He encountered the problem of the man born blind. He saw him and he healed him. He also confronted the loneliness of this man later on in chapter 9. When he was alone, he was rejected. And Jesus had heard what he had sa- been said of him and went to him. Jesus and the Pharisees, you'll see, are very, very different types of shepherds. The Pharisees are more like the thieves and the robbers, the religious leaders who are more interested in fleecing the sheep than in guiding them and nurturing them and guarding them. They're the leaders of chapter nine that we saw. And so we should have ears to hear Jesus's claims and recognize him as the one who reveals and presents the revelation of God himself. And these shepherds of Israel, they instead wanted to belittle and expel the sheep, this man who was born blind. Even the man's parents, like I've said, had not protected and led him like a parent should. And so God's sheep, they hear the shepherd's voice. He calls them by name. And friends, as Jesus has saved you, he calls you by new names as well. He calls us beloved, like Jesus, God's beloved son. He calls us chosen, picked out of a sinful world in which we partook. He calls us holy as he makes us holy by his death, burial, and resurrection. He calls us loved children and saints as we become part of his family, even if our family or religious leaders reject us. When Jesus is sheep, they hear his voice and they follow him. And those who are truly God's people belong to God. They listen to his voice. They believe his words. Jesus said this a couple chapters ago. Whoever is of God, hears the words of God in John eight forty-seven, The reason why you do not hear them is you are not of God. If you've ever observed our family, you've probably heard me whistle for my kids. Some of you probably heard me whistle for them this morning. It's like the sound of music where they all come and line up perfectly, right? When we were engaged, Kristen and I, we spent the summer in Brazil and we were working with these missionaries and their kids, these missionary kids could be running across the street and the parents could have a subtle whistle and their kids would stop in their tracks, turn around and come back. And so we thought it would be better than yelling, hey, come back here. So we learned to whistle. We made up a whistle for our kids to come and know and see that it would be beneficial for them to turn around, to come back to us. And some of you might try to test the whistle later this afternoon when you see them, but pretty much can guarantee that they will not listen to your whistle. In a sheep pen, different families could have their sheep all together. Maybe you have a larger family, that you would put your animals all together in one pen. As different shepherds come in and out, the sheep would know their shepherd's voice. They would know their particular shepherd's calls. The sheep would then respond to their particular shepherd and follow. And this shepherd Jesus described is said to call his own by name individually, where he gathers a collective sheep, but he also calls individual sheep. And so Jesus, as he leads our church, we grow and we go and we remember Jesus cares, but he also cares about you personally, like he saw the blind man. Like he heard about the blind man and he responded to the challenges that he had and that he met those needs. That those who believe in Jesus, who hear his voice and follow, Jesus knows you by name. Life can be lonely. Sometimes it's socially lonely where there's no one around you. Sometimes it's emotionally lonely where you feel like no one cares. Sometimes it's physically lonely I just can't get up to go do something. But Jesus knows you. He knows you by name. He calls us his sheep collectively, but he also calls you individually, and he knows all of it, and he loves you, and he wants to care for your needs. And Jesus' call of those who are his own are what theologians call effective. It happens just as much as he called into existence things that did not exist, or he said, let there be light, and there was light. It happens Or it has to happen because God doesn't make a mistake. When he says something needs to happen, there is no error that happens and it comes about. His word performs because he creates new realities by the force of his sheer word, as I read in a book recently. And Jesus says that the shepherd also goes first. He leads them out. In our Western culture, I made sure that I asked Phil, since he grew up with sheep, if, if I was on the right track. It said, uh, I read somewhere in a commentary that in our Western culture, that we drive sheep. Often it was be by a... Australian Shepherd or a dog where they would want to drive sheep from one location to another, but in this culture, in the eastern culture, they would be led where the voice of the shepherd would lead the sheep to where they would want to be going. And so as the culture drives the church beyond the bounds of scripture, friends, listen to the voice of God and live in, not live in conformity to the world but live in conformity to the scriptures and God's revealed will. As false religions and teachers and culture ask the question like Adam and Eve were faced with, did God really say in a temptation to sin, the answer that we as God's people should be giving is, yes, he did say, and no, I won't follow that voice because his word is good, because it's good for us, and also because God is holy. And then verse 6, it shows us the leaders didn't understand what he was saying. And when you're deaf and when you're blind and you have a hard heart, it's hard to understand. But because of the confusion, he expands upon these words. And he directs them to two things, a door and a shepherd again. We'll look at verse 7 as we see what he says first about the door. Jesus, so Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find good pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. A door is not generally something we think about when we think about sheep and shepherds. When we think about Jesus, we think of Jesus as the Lion of the tribe of Judah, as the Lamb of God, as the Son of God, as the Messiah, the Christ, the light of the world, but not the door. In the context of the sheep pen, Jesus is the door though. It is the only way that someone can become part of God's people, to enter into the flock of God's sheep. And Jesus isn't explaining our first five verses, but rather he is expounding upon and expanding the metaphors that we've seen here. And Jesus contrasts himself with the thieves and the robbers in verse eight. Israel's shepherds fed themselves and not the sheep. The Pharisees, they're the the shepherds of Israel that we saw in Ezekiel 37 that were prophesied about. And it's becoming more and more clear. He's not talking about the prophets that would write and would speak on God's behalf, but rather the corrupt leaders of Israel. We know about wicked kings who came after David and Solomon and neglectful priests who exploited God's people. It's the Pharisees. It's the religious leaders in Jerusalem that are there before him today. It's the attitude of the Pharisees towards these men, born this man born blind that demonstrated this blatant misuse of their authority, their religious authority, and their perversion of what godly leadership should be. It was even the man's parents who were too scared to protect their own child, to protect their son, because they didn't want to be thrown out of their religious organization. But in contrast with these shepherds of Israel, The gate, Jesus, he allows those who are the people of God to enter. This is covenantal language, where we go in and we enter into God's kingdom. We find our pasture, we are brought to that good pasture by God himself, and he provides for us. And it's here that we who hear and listen are guaranteed our salvation that God promises what Jesus, as we see in verse 10, he provides an eternal life, an abundant life that lasts forever. But it's also not just an eternal, temporal, uh, length of time sort of life, it's an abundant life. It's the best quality of life. And what matters most is a rich and full and joyful life. And the life that Jesus provides is overflowing with meaningful activities under the personal favor and blessing of God and continual fellowship with God himself, but also with God's people. I don't just open up God's word each week to give you words and rules to live by or guidance to avoid. I open up God's word and call us to a church as a church to follow it, because it's an abundant life. It's a life we were meant to live, and it's the best life for us. And if we don't follow it, we don't want to follow it, or we disregard it, you might ask yourself the question Are you really a sheep? Friends, we enter in only through Jesus, and we follow. The good news in his life, in his death, in his resurrection. We also receive the abundant life that Jesus provides, a life that does last forever. The Pharisees who were confused because they wanted to lead. But Jesus, God has always led his people. But Jesus also cares for God's people. He is the gate, He is also the good shepherd. Look with me at verse 11. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not fa- own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. The wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I'm the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them out also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. In this charge, I have received from the Father the good shepherd lays down his life for us his sheep the good shepherd he sacrifices all he has and most importantly he sacrifices his life for us you can't enter through the gate other than through Jesus and the entrance is only possible because what Jesus has done in laying down his life for his people shepherding is a huge part of the history of Israel Abraham Isaac and Jacob were all shepherds When Israel went to Egypt, Joseph, remember, you made sure that Pharaoh knew that the people of Jacob were shepherds. Moses, the great prophet, was a shepherd who led God's people out of Egypt to the promised land. David was a great king, but he was a shepherd first, protecting God's people from those who would want to defame God's name or hurt God's people. Where Moses, he risked his life at great cost to himself himself to deliver God's people from Pharaoh out of their exodus from Egypt. And David, at great risk of his own life, protected his own literal flock of sheep with his own bare hands from wolves and from bears and lions, and it gave him confidence to stand up against Goliath. The good shepherd lays down his life. Jesus' death is precisely what qualifies him to be the good shepherd. It was no accident and Jesus leads us by delivering us and protecting us from our greatest enemies of Satan and sin and death. And Jesus, he contrasts his own sacrifice, his own suffering with the hired hands we see in verse 12. Hired hands see the wolves coming and they flee. They leave the sheep and ultimately the wolves, they snatch the sheep, they kill the sheep or the sheep scatter. And in verse 14, Jesus says that he acts very differently. He doesn't flee but he knows the sheep and he lays down his life for the sheep. And then suffering of his own life, he protects the sheep. He fights for the sheep. He dies for the sheep. He doesn't feed himself like the shepherds of Israel. He doesn't take advantage of the weak like the shepherds of Israel. The shepherds of Israel are cowards. Jesus feeds the sheep. Jesus desires that the sheep, the weak would be made strong. Jesus is different In the passage that John read in Ezekiel 34, verse 10. He says, I will rescue my sheep from their mouths that they may not be food for them. And he's speaking of rescuing the sheep from the shepherds of Israel, not from the fierce wolves outside of the flock, but within the flock. Jesus has no doubt about who are his. It's as certain as certain. Jesus is more than a mental grasp of his sheep. He has more than personal understanding. He has a commitment of will for his sheep to do whatever it takes to save and to protect his sheep. And he will never, ever fail. For Jesus' sheep, our future is secure. It cannot be taken away. For Jesus' sheep, he will love you until the end. As many of you men had read recently or this past year in the book Gentle and Lowly*, there's no prenup with Jesus. There is no exit strategy with Jesus. He will love us to the end of our lives, to the end of our sin, to the end of our temptations, to the end of all of our fears. Jesus is a good shepherd. He's the best shepherd. And it's the intimate relationship with Jesus that he has with the Father in verse 15 that displays that same intimate relationship that Jesus has with you and with me, with his sheep. And he has sheep outside of the fold as well, outside of the Jews, the Gentiles, you and me. There's one flock. There's one shepherd. At the end of Ezekiel chapter 34, he says that it will be from the shepherd, from the line of King David. It's Jesus himself. There's one people of God and there's one Savior. Jesus in John 14, he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. The lines are drawn in the sand between Jesus and the Jews and the Pharisees who are listening to these words. Jews and Gentiles, all who believe in Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, who died in their place on the cross for their sins, who believe in that substitute are part of God's sheep, his messianic community and we are called to make disciples of all nations, to go to the sheep who are outside the flock and to call them in. We become the voice of the shepherd by sharing what we see in God's word and proclaiming the gospel to a lost and dying world around us. Memorial Day was great last weekend, but there's more to the Messianic community than just America. John describes in Revelation, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the lamb. The lamb who was the sacrificial lamb for his sheep. Before the lamb of God, his sheep gathered to worship him like the man who believed last week and he bowed down to worship. That's what God's people do. We enter through Jesus. We follow the voice and his words. We believe he laid down his life for us and we worship him and we go tell others about him because they may become sheep as well by the proclamation of the word of God. And then we get to do it over and over again. We rinse and repeat until Jesus comes back or we die ourselves. But the Jews, they have hard hearts even still. They can't believe, they can't follow, and we'll see that their confusion remains in our last few verses. Look at verse 19. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of the one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? These are the same things that we saw them say last week. There's division again and still, but it's because they cannot believe apart from the grace of God in their lives. They have hard hearts that God hasn't softened yet. There is division because they aren't good shepherds, but there's also division because they aren't sheep either. And it's sad. Next week, we'll look at the security that we have and being Jesus' sheep as we finish John 10. And I think there's three main takeaways from our passage this morning. I've alluded to some of them already, but first, and most importantly, is to believe. Hear the voice of Jesus. Believe the words of Jesus, the words of eternal life. In our hard hearts, in our deaf ears, in our blind eyes, even the ways we have led people astray, be leave the words of Jesus. Not everyone is saved. Some are of the flock and some are not of the flock. The crucial point of the gospel is that it is extended to all people, all over the world, to people from every tribe and nation, where God does love the whole world, but he does not save the whole world. He saves those who believe in Jesus's own substitutionary death on our place, He laid down his life of his own accord in taking taking the death we all deserve to die, and he rose to give us a new sort of life, a life we were initially created to live, an abundant life, as Jesus says in our passage this morning, in holiness. First, hear the words of Jesus and believe. And when you doubt and sin, even after you believe, believe the truth again. He died for those sins as well. And so you can rest in that and repent of that. So first, believe and follow. Second, I want to talk about shepherds of whom I am one. First Peter 5.2 says, he calls the elders of the church to shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly friends we model Jesus's shepherding but your elders are sheep as well we are among the sheep as Peter says and we need as much help as anyone does many of you have seen your elders Chris and Cal do this and serve you well these brothers don't shrink back when wolves come when danger lurks around the corner these brothers whom I get to serve with they love you We pray for you, we care for you, and we are delighted to do so. And these are good men to follow, and it's a great joy to lead them and be part of them. I have a significant voice, but I don't get an extra vote. We try our best to be mutually submitted to one another. And so pray we continue to do that as we love each other, but also love you as the church. Your elders don't want to drive you like cattle. We want to lead you like sheep modeled after the good shepherd. And sheep are often called dumb. But we don't believe that about you. Each day, sheep do need to be fed. Sheep need to be watered. Sheep do need to be protected and cared for. Thus, we as shepherds need to be patient. Have compassion every day. Because tomorrow, we need to do the same thing over and over again. And there's as much of a reminder for me and your elders as it is for you in this passage. So pray for us. You may have heard of recent news this past couple of weeks about the denomination we are part of. The Southern Baptist Convention, they had a report that was initiated last year at their meeting to look into sexual abuse. Tyler and I were at that meeting. Their report was published a couple weeks ago, and what saddened and shocked me is the report said that they had a culture of secrecy and protection of the denomination at the expense of men and women created in God's image. You can look into it more if you desire, but your elders have discussed it over the last couple weeks. These people should have protected the sheep and God's people as opposed to protecting their own interests. I've been involved with Acts 29 Network for the last 15, 20 years or so. They've had two leadership changes because of poor leadership over the last few years. Fortunately, I know their new president personally. They've righted the ship. No organization is perfect. The church isn't perfect. Your elders have put this to prayer, but the shepherds and leaders who care for you and lead the sheep, that's our role, not to hurt the sheep. Hopefully, the Southern Baptist Convention, they right the ship like Acts 29 has done. We aren't deciding to leave the SBC today. We'll see how things go. We'll see how they respond. We will communicate those things to you with these allegations. But what our church needs and Lord willing we will be by the grace of God in the days ahead is what one author calls a consistent, unbroken persistence to tend and feed the lambs and sheep of Christ who need to hear the voice and gather in the other sheep for whom he died. And we pray that we do that. Help us to do that. Trust has been broken with organizations. And as we model Jesus, our prayer is that you trust us. And please pray we lead you in wisdom according to Scripture. And if we don't, can you please come talk to us about it? We want to be submitted to the Bible first and foremost. We want to be submitted to you. We want the Bible to lead us and to guide us because we can make mistakes as well. And guess what? We probably will. First, believe. Second, pray for your under shepherds, for your elders. Third, there are sheep not of this fold. Again, we see a call to evangelism in the gospel of John. And it shouldn't be surprising with the purpose of John's gospel. We saw in John chapter 20, verse 31, that these things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So who are the sheep out there? We don't know until they believe and come to know that Jesus is the Christ. And we're following God's revealed word in scripture, and we're trying to lead you as a church to follow. We are to make disciples of all nations, but all nations includes the towns of Royalton, and Bethel, and Randolph, and Barry and Barnard, Burlington, and even Montpelier. The more people who come to hear, and listen, and follow, and believe, the more glory that Jesus gets. He could use rocks to proclaim the gospel, he says. But God chooses you and he chooses me to do so. So friends, we get to let our lights shine. We get to spread gospel seeds, and we get to trust God that he will bring fruit from the seeds that we plant in his garden. Jesus is the good shepherd. He is worthy to be followed. It's a privilege to follow him and to lead you as an under-shepherd. And we get to look forward to heaven when we get to praise God together forever, as we see in Revelation 7, 17. In heaven, they're proclaiming this. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Friends, we enter through Jesus Jesus leads us, and so believe. Pray we lead you like Jesus, and let's go outside to the flock of God who is not yet his, and be the voice of Jesus calling his sheep to follow him. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your goodness and your kindness. for while we were still weak at the right time, your son died for us. While we were enemies, your son died for us. So that we who were sheep who had gone astray might hear your voice, might see your gospel, might have a soft heart to respond to your gospel. And so, God, I pray that in this room, if there are anybody who does not yet know you and follow you, God, that they would repent and listen to your voice and believe and worship you. And, God, I pray for those who do know you, who hear your voice as we stray. As your son says, he leaves the 99 and goes after the one. God, we thank you for your pursuit of us, for not leaving us nor forsaking us, for always being with us. And at times, carrying us back to the flock when our legs and our energy couldn't get us back ourselves. So Father, we thank you for your abundant mercy and grace. And we worship you, and we desire to sing loud this time again because you are worthy of all of our praises. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.